0: Hello, hello, this is Psych Adjacent. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Hughes. I'm happy to be back for another week. Very quick announcements. Uh, In a few weeks, a Dr. Cindy Duke, she's an OB-GYN fertility expert and a virologist. She'll be stopping by to discuss a wide variety of topics related to her field of choice. So be on the lookout for that episode. It'll be premiering in a few weeks. But today, with me here today is Dr. Aaron Kenney. Say hello to the audience, Dr. Kenny.
1: Hey there, guys.
0: You ready to get started?
1: I'm ready to go. Let's go for it.
0: Fantastic. We're back. Hello, Dr. Kenny. You, uh, I just want to give you a brief introduction so people know who it is that uh, that they'll be listening to today. So uh, you attended Vanderbilt University for your BA in psychology. Anything mm-hmm. psych related, I'm, I'm very happy to, to hear yep. that. So you attended the University of Bridgeport for your ND, uh, neuro, in neuropathic, uh, neuropathic medicine. Um, you naturopathic are
1: Naturopathic medicine. Naturopathic.
0: Sorry. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You are the host of a new podcast titled The Dr. Kenny Show. And you are also in private practice in Annapolis, Maryland. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what it is that you do in practice. Did I get, did I get everything yes. correct?
1: You did. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. All right. So for anyone that is unfamiliar uh, with naturopathic medicine, could you please describe what it is that a naturopathic doctor, what it, what it is that you all do?
1: Sure. So I like to think about naturopathic medicine. We're, we're, we're trained as primary care providers, but we look at the body a little bit differently. So our we have kind of similar tenets to a primary care, you know, first do no harm in any situation, but we're looking at each body as an individual and we want to figure out what's causing a symptom. So oh, we're video. So this is great. I will often let's see if I have a um. Let's imagine that this is an upright punching bag. This is how I explain my pain. So imagine that this is something, it's weighted at the bottom. If I were to punch it this way, it's gonna go like this. If I were to leave it alone, it would eventually come back into balance. Are you, you with right, me?
0: Right, I'm
1: with you. get you. that concept, right? Mm-hmm. So your body, when it's in kind of optimal health, it's upright. We don't have any symptoms, right? right? Sometimes, let's say for example, you get the flu. The flu is gonna come over here and it's gonna punch your body and you're gonna be over here. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have fever, chills, you might vomit. All of those symptoms are indicative of your body trying to kill the flu virus, right? Right. So the symptoms and the the body will eventually kill the flu virus and you'll come back into balance, right? Yes. So that's just, I just want you to understand that concept. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you are someone who gets chronic headaches. Something is causing you to have headaches. So you're over here, you're having headaches every day and you go to your doctor and you say, hey doc, getting these migraine headaches. And the doctor goes, no problem. We've got a great drug for that. Here, take the drug. And the drug does this. It punches your body this way. The headaches go away. But now in some cases, you might develop what we call a side effect. You go back to your doctor and you say, you know, this Imitrex is working really great. I'm no longer getting migraines, but all of a sudden I'm starting to have some anxiety and I'm not sleeping very well. So they say, oh, great, no problem. We're gonna put you on an SSRI, which then punches your body over here. And then you go back in and you're like, well, now, you know, I've gained 15 pounds or whatever it is, you end up with some other effect. And so before you know it, the body gets punched in multiple different ways. And then it's kind of hard to tell which what's what. So I use this analogy so so people can understand. People come into me and they're here, they're punched in some way. They're like, I've got symptoms X, Y, and Z. Right. And now, you know, I was trained, I know which drugs would punch the body this way to get them out of, you know, but my, my job as a naturopathic doctor is to figure out what are all of the things that are punching you to keep you this way are there ways we can remove you know sometimes it might be a dietary thing sometimes it might be hey you're eating you're eating gluten and it turns out you have celiac disease so we remove the gluten and the body comes back to normal sometimes you know in so in the the medicine or the toolbox that I have, I use a lot of homeopathics and a lot of herbs. And what they'll do is instead of punching the body in the opposite way, they punch the body in the same way that the body's going to give it some momentum to help the body come back into balance on its own. Mm. So that's kind of like the idea or the principle behind using herbs or kind of the more natural treatments is we're trying to help the body heal the body wants to be in balance the body wants to be functioning optimally so and sometimes when someone comes in they're like oh my gosh i can't function i'm i'm taking migraine medicine we'll keep them on the meds but we'll say okay you know while you're while we're on this medication to suppress the symptom let's figure out what's causing it so we can get you off the medication if you want to right and you know in, in a case of like if we're treating anxiety or depression and someone is on let's say an ssri and you know that SSRI is keeping them from being suicidal. We definitely don't want them to come off that medication, but we might be able to alleviate some of the side effects or you know using a diet change or using a lifestyle change or you know giving them a certain nutrient to kind of help their body build serotonin on its own or so basically you know like all healthcare providers or people in the healing profession we're trying to help our patients feel as best as they possibly can using the least amount of medicine. is kind of how I describe it to my patients. That was a long-winded answer. So thanks for No, saying. no, no. It's
0: a, it's a I mean that's that's what I that's what I wanted. So I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but what I what I gather from that is sometimes you know, you have people that come to you and I'd imagine many people in the same field as you come to you on five or six different medications and yes. sometimes that many meds causes a ton of side effects and what you a yes. lot of times what you have to do is try to figure out how to decrease the amount of side effects with still getting the the medicinal benefit.
1: Y- Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and my, you know, I always, I always, and I talk about this a lot on my podcast, you know, even though I am a naturopathic doctor, I'm not against, you know, regular medicine. I'm not against medicine. I want my patients to feel great. If someone comes in and they say, Hey, I've been taking this SSRI for 10 years. Don't touch that because I'm a mess without it, you know, but I want to work on my health or my weight or something else. I'm not going to say, Oh, you have to take, you know, I want people to feel their best and whether that's on a med or off a med, you know, that's, that's up to them. Ultimately. I always like, I think one of the, one of my favorite things about my role as a naturopathic doctor is I really try to empower my patients with knowledge. So I spend a lot of time in our visit. I want them to understand, you know, whatever condition they have going on, what's happening in their body physiologically. If they are on a med, what that med is doing to them, what the potential side effects could be, you know, what it would look like if we got off of it, just so they understand what's going on inside their body.
0: Yeah. Generally speaking here, um, cause obviously there's going to be, you know, a percentage of people that do and a percentage of people that don't, but generally speaking, do you think the public understands what it is that you just explained to me as, as it, as it pertains to what you do as a naturopathic doctor, um, what's the public perception?
1: The public perception. Well, I think it depends on which public you're asking. Exactly. I think yeah. <laughs> the majority, the majority of people do not have never heard the term naturopathic doctor, right, right. you know, if you're in LA or California, most people have heard, in Maryland, more people are learning about, it. I think there is a, a large interest in holistic and natural medicine, functional medicine. A lot of people have heard that term. I mean, I get patients to come in every day that are taking shopping bags full of supplements that they hear about on Dr. Oz, or, you know, that they watch the show of the doctors and they've, Oh, take this supplement by this, by that. So, and one of the, I think one of the, the most important reasons, and I know that we might chat about this later, if you are a practitioner, And you want to know when it's appropriate to refer to either a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor. If your patient is on polypharmacy and is also taking supplements and you don't know what those supplements do, great idea to refer them out to someone. Because I want to say that training that naturopathic doctors get, and most functional docs, if they've done a good functional program, they get trained in herb drug nutrient interactions. And most MD, like I I collaborate with a lot of MDs and, and they're they, they call me and they're like, I've got this patient who's taking three meds and they're taking 15 supplements and I don't know what the hell they do. Right, <laughs> can you please right. talk to them? Yeah. Because sometimes, sometimes herbs are great. Sometimes herbs can be really dangerous. You know, they're not, they're not always like, just because it's natural doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you or bad for you, right. but you need to talk to somebody who understands what that, what action that they're, whatever you're taking is going to have on your body
0: why do you I think- I can't remember
1: what your original question was. But, the,
0: well, the question- oh, You well, asked what, me
1: about public perception. Public perception. Um, so, so I think the public is generally interested in more like a, I feel like the, especially the like the 20s and 30s, the, the millennials and whatever, the generation behind the millennials, they're very interested in doing things more naturally. Right. Um. There is a negative perception for naturopaths. A lot of people think that we're quacks and we don't know what we're doing. And, you know, and that's just- you know, and I think they're going to think that that's fine. I don't need to treat them. Go, go see somebody else. <laughs> go someplace else. There are um, plenty of
0: options for you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of options. I mean, the thing is, our country's sick. You know what I mean? And I think some people want to go and be treated naturally and some people want to go, you know, I think. So my my ultimate like and the reason I started the podcast is I want people to have as much knowledge as they can about how their bodies work. So they can make empowered health decisions. And whether that's seeing a naturopathic doctor or whether that's seeing, you know, a surgeon, whoever it is, you just want to have as much knowledge about your own health so you can make the best decision.
0: Yeah, when I think about the the term natural, uh, many medications, and correct me if I'm wrong, you might know more about this than I do, where they come from, but the, I, I mean, I'm trained to use the medications, but where they come from a lot of times yeah. is plants.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah.
0: A lot of them come from the What they will do
1: is they'll, they'll they'll take a plant and they'll isolate a certain component. You know, most plants have, you know, thousands of different components when you break them down molecularly. Some of them are called terpenes. Some of them are called, um, there's a bunch of different names, isoflavoins. You know, there's chemical constituents. And drug companies will find one chemical constituent and they'll say, oh, great, this, you know, this chemical constituent is going to bind to this neurotransmitter. It's going to upregulate this or downregulate that which is awesome. I mean, we learn most of what we know about the human body from plant chemistry or in terms of medication, but sometimes the full spectrum plant can be have more healing effect because you're not just getting the one compound yeah sometimes the plant that the compound that you want the plant actually comes with the other compounds that mitigate some of the side effects that the one compound in high doses might give you. Does that make sense? Yeah
0: absolutely yeah I've, I've known that the um, met most medications come from plants being I mean whatever chemicals are in the plants are concentrated yeah. and then they're turned into I mean there's obviously changes that are that are made to the chemicals that come from the plants but they come from yeah. plants. <laughs>
1: exactly yeah 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 so so not all medicine is bad. you know not all medicine is bad but sometimes but like I said even a you know sometimes plants are poisonous like sometimes herbs you know people are like oh I take these Chinese herbs I'm like well you know you might not want to do that because that particular herb might be a little stressed you know stressful for your liver or hard for your kidney to break down or you know just just because it's natural doesn't always necessarily mean it's Healthy or good for your body.
0: Yeah, I right agree. It's just
1: because it's a medication, might not. It's just. I think it's all about individual. You got to. You got to know what's best for your body.
0: Yeah, I mean, my, my overall point in even bringing that up is just. I think you, you have to go with what works. Essentially, yes. if it's an herb, if it's yes. a medication approved by the FDA, you have to go with with what works. Uh, but exactly. you have to be careful, though. So if somebody is yeah. using herbs and, you know, nat- natural products, I-, I would rather go to you than, say, an MD that does- that's not really trained in that. Um, I'm yeah. not sure if you're aware of this, but we don't get that much training with just herbs or diet. Or yeah, no, that no. You don't. I, I
1: mean, that's what my colleagues that are MDs, they're like, I don't know what to do with this patient. She's taking all these herbs. I, I, I don't understand them. And it it's um, you can kind of self-teach yourself some of that, but it, it's a lot. I mean, I took a lot of classes in botanical medicine. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it's I a lot. <laughs> still, I'm still constantly studying. Like, wait, what is that plant? You know, it's it's just like with any drug. You know, you have to constantly keep up with the new research and the new, um, you know, there's there's new stuff coming out all the time about about everything in, in medicine.
0: You brought up uh, something pretty. So Vanderbilt is uh, where is Vanderbilt?
1: Let's it's see. in Nashville,
0: Tennessee, Tennessee, and you're practicing now in Maryland. This is more on the mm-hmm. Eastern coast of the United States. I'm on the West coast. I'm in uh, Los Angeles. You, you brought something up in terms of where people are more, um, more interested or accepting of alternative medicines versus mm-hmm. what MDs do. Have you lived anywhere else or practiced anywhere else where you noticed those differences between, you know, Tennessee, Maryland versus California?
1: Um, I have not lived anywhere else. I have a sister that lives in LA and I have a sister that lives in Austin. And I will say Austin has a really active community that's interested in alternative health. Obviously LA does as well. Um, I've got colleagues all over the West coast. And, um, I, I, as I said, I think there's a growing interest for it on the East coast, but there's not, there's not as many naturopathic doctors, over here, yeah, it's a out west.
0: I think a lot of that is just cult I don't know how it happens with the culture of you know California being more, oh, we'll say hippie, <laughs>
1: more, yeah. more hippie is. Well, yeah, versus... just
0: kind the of East on the Coast.
1: forefront of trends you know it's funny everyone's like oh that's such a new medicine i'm like well it's actually a really old medicine <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> it went out of, it went out of style for a bit but it's actually like what we used to do a long time ago right very
0: um, long ago yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's like when everyone's like "Ooh, acupuncture is this new thing it's like no acupuncture has been around for thousands of years long long it's probably time <laughs> more research than you know most drugs yeah. But it's like in a cycle, you know, things kind of go out of fad and they come back into fad. But I feel like California is usually on the forefront of trends. And then they move they move to the East Coast and then they move to the middle of the country. Yeah. At least for most trends.
0: Yeah. I practiced on both on both sides of the country. And it's just it's just interesting uh, to see the dynamic there. So just one of your thoughts. Yeah. So uh, what can you tell me about this stress reset formula? I was looking at your, your website. What, what can you tell me about that?
1: <clears throat> well, so. I started, when I was first in practice, I had a lot of patients come in that I would kind of end up, a lot of people come to me, and they've been to see multiple different doctors, and they've got anxiety, depression, they've got a whole host of kind of weird, seemingly unrelated symptoms, and all their lab results have come back, quote unquote, normal, and they end up in my office, and they're like, I just don't feel good, and they're like, I don't think I'm depressed, or, you know, they've, they've been told, you know, maybe you need to take an antidepressant or maybe the birth control pill will help move level out their mood. And they just, they feel dismissed. And so I'll end up running some extra tests, looking at neurotransmitters and looking at their cortisol levels. And they they have kind of what I call adrenal fatigue. So their adrenals are a little bit burnt out. And usually that's from high levels of stress over prolonged periods of time. And the Mm -hmm. adrenals, the cortisol levels start to go down, adrenaline levels will rise and people feel, you know, they feel kind of wired and tired and labs all look normal, but they don't, they don't feel good. Right. You know, They're irritable. They're tired. They don't sleep well. They have anxiety They're, you know, and they, they're not happy. And you know, a lot of them are working either working moms or working women. So their stress levels are elevated. So, and I started noticing that they did really well on the, you know, the supplement and or diet protocol that I'd put them on and I would put them on it. And we'd check in a few months later and they'd say, Hey, I feel great. I feel awesome. And I would say, okay, great. You know, check in as needed. They'd end up coming back in like maybe a year to two later with the same symptoms. And they're like, well, you know, the supplements worked for a while and I stopped and I felt good and then I started crashing again. Right. So I started realizing that like, and then they would try the supplements again and they wouldn't be quite as effective. I started noticing that it was more of a, a lifestyle change that needed to happen. Like they were, they were burning the candles at both ends. And I also went through this myself. I had, you know, adrenal fatigue several times. And the first time, you know, I put myself on a supplement protocol and things got better and then, I went back to my crazy lifestyle where I was doing a million projects and not resting. And you know, how a lot of us high achievers are, we go, 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 go. And Like I tend to crash. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started looking at my own life and I'm like, well, I keep doing this pattern where I keep going, 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 and then I crash, and I don't feel good. And then, so I kind of started to develop a more of a lifestyle shift that I started implementing with my patients and I call it the stress reset formula. So it's, it's putting into practice some daily, some daily like stress calming practices that help, Ultimately, you know, boost the adrenal function and help to prevent burnout in the future.
0: Ah, so I mean, I, I mean, that kind of leads into my next question. What What do you think the most common stress um, stressors are for women in twenty twenty one? What are the most common stressors that you see?
1: Their own brain. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, no. I mean, well, okay. There's a lot of stressors, particularly in 2020. And yeah, 2021. yeah, yeah. There's if one you're outstanding a mom, <laughs> But, but I, I do think that that there that our as females and men too that and in the current climate, just the worry factor. You know, everything that you have to be worried about in today's world. Like, like before 2020, if you were a female raising children and working, there were a lot of things that. know anyone on a given on a given day has to worry about but i think 20 you know the pandemic has thrown into play you know every time you go out do i have a mask like is someone gonna judge me because i'm wearing a mask or because i'm not wearing a mask or you know i'm gonna go to this social event am i gonna get judged if i put you know all of the things that it's like all of this extra stuff we now have to worry about and i always explain to my patients that no matter what the stressor is whether you're being chased by a lion or your child's screaming or you have recurrent worrying or anxious thoughts, all of those are gonna trigger your stress response. And the physiologic response is exactly the same. So when your stress response gets triggered, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate increases, all the blood flow goes to your arms and legs, your pupils dilate, digestion turns off, sex organs turn off, hormone production gets turned off, you're just in stress mode. but. And that's great if you're running from a tiger. But if you're just laying in bed at night, you know, thinking about your to-do list the next day or oh my gosh, you know, I didn't wear a mask when I walked in, is someone gonna judge me, or whatever the thought is, that's also triggering your fight-flight response, which is you know, sending the whole cascade of stress hormones through your body when you don't actually need it to. Right. So I I when you ask what the number, I really think it is our own, like we're kind of all stuck in this stress mode because of what we've been through in the past year. And it can be tricky to get your brain out of that habit of thinking. I think if you're able to spend, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a day, calming the body, calming the brain down, that's ultimately what we need to do to get out of that mode. I mean, I, I wish there was a pill I could give to, I mean, there probably are, we could probably give them, you know, benzos or something. <laughs> shut <laughs> off, shut off all thoughts, but that's not really fixing the problem
0: yeah I no, that's agree. Just it's like
1: putting a band-aid
0: especially for right now, just as a psychiatrist, I see this all the time where people are just walking around essentially with a ton of bricks on their back metaphorically speaking on their back and it's just weighing yeah. them down. And after a while, you're too tired to move, you're too tired to think you're yeah. just you're, you're weighed down at that point. your muscles get tired. yeah um, do you use those techniques that you you work with patients on in your daily life?
1: I I try to, you know, I, um yeah, I meditate every morning. I exercise most days I journal. I, I mean, I think it's, it's, I'm just like everyone else when it comes to like myself as a patient, you know, it's, it's not easy to rewire your brain to stop worrying about stuff, but I, I, I definitely work on it every day and it's a practice. You have to work on it every day. Yeah. You know? You
0: mentioned this earlier. I think you had mentioned that you were once one of those people that uh, that were that were high achieving and overworking yourself. When did I mean, you? I,
1: I still am. You still? <laughs> <laughs> I still am. I just try to balance it more with the relaxing stuff. I don't think you ever stop becoming a high achieving person. You know, I think that if you're if you're listening and you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm a go getter, I think you just have to make sure you balance it with enough rest. You know, you got to make sure you prioritize your self care so you don't end up getting burnt out.
0: So that you can still meet whatever goals that you have for yourself, but not yeah. not do it to the detriment of your own health, mentally and physically. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we overlook, and I've done this in my own life. We overlook certain things that are actually stressing us out, and so you know sometimes we think of stress as being you know, emails or workers, or, but sometimes, you know, a relationship with a friend might be really stressful or someone might be, you know, stepping over boundaries or I'm sure as a therapist, a psychiatrist, we see this a lot, you know, or a relationship with a partner or a coworker, you know, sometimes emotional stress, we don't, we might not even recognize that it's stressing us out. But so it's the, I think the first step to figuring this out is figuring out what are all of your stressors? Like what are the things that are draining your energy?
0: Well, the big thing that you mentioned with your your stress reset formula was the fact that you're making behavioral changes. That's, that sounds like that's the biggest thing. And uh, that's the biggest
1: thing. And again, it is not the easy thing. It is the hardest thing to do. And like I said, I found it hard to do that just in like, you know, a patient visit here and there, like people need to be doing, they need to like do a pro they need to be committed and be like, okay, I'm going to do this program. I'm going to work with you to, you know, to actually change some behavior. So you um
0: you also mentioned that you have a lot of collaboration with other disciplines. We're talking the MDs, I the do. DOs. How often yeah. do you find yourself working with those specialties and what specialties do you oftentimes find yourself working with?
1: Often, I mean, most of my patients that I treat have you know a primary care that they work with or they have a psychiatrist that they're working with you know when they i don't prescribe meds it's not in my scope of practice in maryland so if someone's on medication someone else is prescribing them so and if they come in i'm i'm always going to be reaching out and working with that provider i think it's really important for you know if someone's got several different doctors i think it's important for all of the care providers to at least know the other people that are working to know what's going on so Um, yeah, so I work, I work in close contact with a couple of MDs. We share a lot of patients. I work with a couple of psychiatrists that, you know, they'll refer me a patient. They'll say, Hey, this patient is really interested in getting off of SSRIs. They don't want to, you know, they might want to use some, um, some different nutrient supplements as we're weaning them down to mitigate side effects. And so we'll work together to you know, determine what's the best outcome for the patient. And I find that in those situations, it works really well the you know, if the other docs open and the patient feels really great, they feel like they've got multiple people on their team.
0: Right. That are interested in their care. That's the, I think that's the big thing. Um, because I I found it in practice, just you mentioned the social aspect. A lot of times people get better just by having someone to talk to.
1: Oh, definitely
0: express themselves. Definitely. Yeah, I, I do prescribe meds, but I don't in my private practice, I don't prescribe them any meds. I do a lot of therapy yeah. and just the therapy itself. Yeah. I mean, this is what I've noticed the over years.
1: so beneficial. Yeah, I think especially in today's what we're all going through. Everybody needs somebody to talk to, you know, you need someone to hold space for you. There's a lot. There's a lot of heavy stuff that we've all been through this year. And yeah, and so, sometimes I think, you know, my patients come in and mostly what we do is just talk. You know and they tell me about what they're taking or what they're doing and you know i'm often not making too many changes to their protocol i'm just there to kind of hold space for them
0: yeah so thinking along those lines with collaboration amongst ourselves and being there for the patient when do you find yourself referring to an md or a do
1: so if i'm diagnosing something that i think needs medication you know if i i diagnose a lot of lyme disease um really and in some yeah a lot a lot of lyme disease um and it's sometimes in cases that i i i I now put i test everyone for lyme disease because i've caught cases of it where i was not suspecting it like i've got a couple patients that had only gi symptoms and i just put it on there as a screening turns out they had lyme treated the lyme and all the gi stuff went away i've had cases of really extreme anxiety extreme depression turns out lyme was causing it um so in certain cases with lyme i'll refer them out for antibiotic treatment Other cases, you know, there are lots of different ways to treat Lyme, Um, depends on the patient, depends on what, you know, what stage it's in. But so in that case, you know, if if I diagnose someone with an acute something and I think they need an antibiotic or an acute treatment, I'm gonna send them out. Um, Or if we've tried everything, you know, if someone's coming to me for anxiety, depression, and we've changed diet lifestyle, we've, you know, we've tried supplements and they're really, really struggling. I might say, hey, you know what? It might be time to take a med. So, you know, I, 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 I was trained to kind of start with the basics first then add an herb or, you know, supplement. And if that doesn't work, then go to a medication. Cause again, I want my patients to feel better. So if I'm not helping them, I will then refer them out to someone else who I think could.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's important for people to hear because um, when, I, when I first heard you speak and I heard a few other naturopathic doctors speaking was in clubhouse and um, oh, yeah, I was in the clubhouse app so I could learn a little bit more about what it is that Indies do. And um, yeah, I don't think that people are telling MDs and DOs that naturopathic doctors are kooks, but we still just don't know. And when you don't know a yeah. lot about something, oh, it, exactly, it, it's foreign to yeah. you, you know. So yeah, no, that's great to hear. So for anyone listening to this,
1: <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not crazy. We're not quacks. <laughs> there might be some of us out there that are, but that's just you know, in any field, there's there's some MDs that are quacks. Oh yeah, that, there, know, there's are, a lot of or yeah, not, not quacks, but you know, like there's you know, people that are. But I I think that like, you know, there's so many people that need help. And I think that, you know, some people might feel more comfortable coming and talking to someone like me, other people might feel more comfortable talking to, you know, a surgeon at Hopkins. Again, it just kind of depends on the patient's comfort level. And I think as long as providers want to meet patients where they're at, you know, we, we should be able to all work together, you know?
0: Yeah. Agreed. So for, um, for people that like what they're hearing now, you have a podcast that other people can go and listen to titled The Dr. Yeah. Kenny Show. Could you tell us a little bit about your show?
1: Sure. So I started the show. I, I, I've i been on social media for a while. I do a lot of Facebook videos and Instagram videos. And a lot of my patients were like, you should do a podcast. I want to listen to you while I'm cleaning or whatever. So that was my 2020 project. And my ultimate goal, I think I've mentioned this earlier in the show, is that I, I really just want people to feel empowered about their health. So my goal is to, you know, I have other experts on the show and we discuss different topics and so people can get more knowledge about what's going on in their body. So we've we've covered, you know, certain diet topics. We've covered postpartum. We've covered, I've got a, next week, someone's talking about kids and ADHD health. So we're kind of I'm covering a whole host of different topics. So if you're interested, come, come follow and listen.
0: How would you uh, describe the experience? of being a podcast of, host, just the experience.
1: It's, it's, it's fun. You know, I actually, I learn something every time I interview someone. So I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm kind of looking at it. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could get credit, like CE credit for this, <laughs> it's like every, every interview. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting, but it is, I will say, and you've been running one for a while. So it's, it's different to be the interviewer yeah. than to be the, and I I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've been interviewed a lot. I feel really comfortable, but it's, it's been different to be in the role of asking the questions. I've, I've enjoyed it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I didn't do a very good job steer, steering this conversation.
0: That's that high achieving, that's that high achieving part of you, just yes, always that's self-critical. Exactly, <laughs> that's
1: that ne- negative thought I need to get rid of, yeah. That's the stressor, right? You
0: know? Yeah, people didn't hear us talking before we uh, started recording and everything. Yeah, we're always just looking at everything, just hoping things get better with the yeah. next episode. <laughs> do you have, um? where do you see the show going uh, in the future? Are you planning on, doing this for years or just just seeing where it goes
1: i was gonna see where it goes and see how it does it was kind of my um yeah so i i don't i didn't really have my intention was just to you know put out more information for people that are interested in learning more about alternative health so they can come and get more information about how their body works and so yeah let's see where it goes so far i've enjoyed it i think i've released seven episodes so it's still pretty new
0: all right yeah i agree with that plan just gotta wait and see what happens Um, Yeah. How often do you uh, put out episodes? Every week. All right. Okay. So weekly, is there a particular day in the week that you put out episodes? Mondays. Okay. All right. So yeah, for anyone that wants to listen to the Dr. Kenny show and what platforms can you be found on?
1: Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, all the, all the platforms.
0: All the, all the big ones.
1: All the big ones. Yeah.
0: And in your private practice, you're in Annapolis, Maryland. I'm
1: um, in Annapolis, Maryland. If they want to find I work you, work virtually. You so work, if you want yeah. to find me, best place to go is my website, which is dr. Or you can follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active there. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I'm not very active on Twitter. Um, yeah, so come follow. Like I said, listen to the podcast. You can watch videos. Like I, I'm really passionate about sharing more information about how the body works and how natural treatments work. And
0: Fantastic! Thank yeah. you for I I'm, yeah. I really appreciate you stopping by because I, I think it's important for I mean myself and colleagues and anyone that's listening yeah. trying to find care to understand all of their options for treatment. Um, yeah. So, I think you did a great job explaining what it is that naturopathic doctors do. So I appreciate you stopping well, good.
1: by. Thank Thank you so much for having me. It was great.
0: Absolutely. All right. Bye bye.